uh, from Texas, and he told me uh, uh, that he'd been having this conversation with Bethany, and he was talking about how a bunch of his family had died from cancer and this and that, and um, he uh, he said, I was wondering if he was going to have to deal with some of that, and Bethany said, well, a whole lot of it is your family has done some di some different stuff than you did. They lived their lives differently than you did. And he said these words. He said, I'm a generational curse breaker. So before I get Texas up here, I'm going to go ahead and announce our theme for Youth Week 2021, <laughs> which is going to be kicked off by the one who originated the phrase of generational curse breakers. That logo is his logo he made for his podcast. Uh, We've got our full agenda finally lined out. It was a struggle beyond struggles. <laughs> uh, but I believe it's going to be awesome. I'm excited to hear what he's going to say. I'm going to get a promo video up this week, I assure you, so you can share it, get some people there July 18th through the 25th. But before any of that happens, I'm ready to hear what Brother Texas has to say to us today. <laughs> Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for where God's brought me from. Uh, no doubt I could I could be doing something completely different today, but I believe in the divine will of God for my life, and I believe that was to connect me with this church and the beautiful people that I have met, being connected to this church and every single one of you in this place today. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. Just, just do that. Just let's, let's just break the ice. I'm always, I always just feel a little weird with introductions, so I'll get you involved, and that'll probably make it a little easier for me. Uh, but if you would, let's go ahead and open our Bibles. Let's open the Word of God to Genesis chapter 16, just starting in verse 1. Just something real nice and simple for us to dive into today. Amen. It's simple on the surface, but the Word of God is complex as you start to dig into the in between the lines and meanings and context of words. Uh, so I encourage you to learn the Word of God. And trust me, I'm on that same exact journey. I want to know this. I've, one day, I'm sure the need for books is probably going to be eradicated. And maybe even the Word of God at some point, there will not be a physical copy. So we need to hide the Word in our hearts so we can know this and teach it to our generations as Time goes on, but I'm thankful for my pastor who is helping me teach another generation. Uh, my son can't speak yet, but I'm going to make sure that what he says is following the Word of God and he's living under the, the principles in this book. So if you're in Genesis chapter 16, why don't you go ahead and give me a hearty amen? amen. All right. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Uh, thankful for my beautiful wife, my pastor, my youth pastor, all the coverings over me. And verse 1 says in Genesis chapter 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian. Somebody say an Egyptian. Whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my handmaid. It may be so that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the, unto the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram, and dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. 
And he went in under, unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain in the water of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from thy face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And Oh, I lost my place. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. I know that was quite a few verses, but I'm going to kind of dive into this today. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we go into this passage. Lord, we're so thankful for what you're going to do in this place. God, I ask that you would anoint my mouth. God, Lord, just speak this word. Just speak what you have, have put in my heart to these people to help somebody in this place today, to help me, Lord, continue forward in, in what you have called this church into. Lord, to go deeper into what you are trying to perform in this church. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Before I continue on, I'm going to introduce my title. My title today uh, is Orphaned Miracles. That's what I'm going to be speaking about today. And I'm actually going to open up with just a little bit of brief history of orphanages in America. And I, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you this is copy and pasted, but it's going to go along with what I'm trying to speak today. It's just a brief history just to kind of lay a bottom line for the first word in the title of my sermon today. It says in this what I found on the internet, uh, I do not have this knowledge hidden away somewhere in my brain. This is the knowledge of Google. So, uh, it says, prior to the establishment of organized orphanages in the 1800s, children whose family, families could not care for them were often placed with relatives or neighbors informally and without the involvement of the court. But with the explosion of immigrants arriving in the United States, there was also an explosion in children who needed a place to stay. Many children lost their parents to epidemics while others were surrendered by families living in poverty or struggling with drug or alcohol addiction. Orphanage homes and other similar institutions began springing up to fulfill this need, to begin to meet the need of the mass amount of kids that needed somewhere to live. While orphanages were often the best option available to children with nowhere else to go, they sometimes lacked the necessary staff, structure, and resources to adequately care for all the children in need. As a result, some orphanages were overcrowded and children lived in poor conditions. Now, what I'm about to read, I think, is pretty interesting. I hadn't heard this before, but just uh, hear it, and maybe you'll have the same revelation I had. In the mid-1800s, a reformer named Charles Brace founded the Children's Aid Society to address the issue of these overcrowded institutions. So this guy named Charles Brace, he was looking for a way that he could solve these overpopulated, overcrowded, understaffed, you know, just didn't have the equipment they needed to take care of the children. He's trying to kind of reform 
what they were setting up for orphanages in this time. The society was founded on the belief that children would do better placed in families than living on the streets or in crowded American orphanage is. So listen to this. Brace's solution was to create something called an orphan train. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but I had never heard of this, and I thought it was a little bizarre, but he was trying to make a solution to this problem. An orphan train was a program which placed homeless children on the railways and sent them out west where they could be chosen by families who had been pre-approved by local committees, which making adopt, adopting directly from an orphanage in a rural setting easier. This, this is the system. It says, this system literally put orphans up for adoption on the train platforms where adoptive families could come and choose the desired, the desired orphan child from a lineup. Uh, this early form of placing out is now considered the beginning of the modern foster care system. And this really didn't last long. I'm going to not read what else I have. I don't want to bore us today. Um, just reading from Google, but basically what ended up happening is orphan trains began to stop in the 1930s and they figured out that the United States as a whole, after we come out of World War II, needed to do something to help these children in need. We, we turned our focus from being involved in World War II and we decided that we were going to kind of form a, a public social service kind of idea for all the children of America and we began to adopt these uh, policies and procedures and child protection laws to help families easier and better get these children adopted, which was necessary, especially times like this when it, poverty, you've got coming out of war, you've got poor families, veterans coming back, and you've got the, the baby boom. There's just so many different uh, things that were, you know, making foster care, which it later become more necessary. It eventually all turned into the foster care system, which we know of today. And I'll tell you today that for a time, orphanages were necessary, but as the government evolved in America, reprioritized, they transferred into what we know today as foster care, which is where brave social workers do what is proper to preserve the family when necessary, and also when it's necessary in cases where the parents are not in the place or right mindset to care for the children. They take action as needed to then preserve the child's safety, which is of the utmost importance. And I believe that adopting an orphan or adopting a child is a brave selfless act. Adopting a child who is parentless or who parents cannot care properly for that child, I believe it's a beautiful showing of the good side of humanity. Uh, I, I believe that adoption is a beautiful reflection of God's love. Because we were all created as God's children yeah. in His image. And we can relate to being adopted as we return to God in our lifetime. I opened up today with this history just to kind of lay a necessary foundation for our understanding today. I, I, uh, I have some verses here I'd like to read in Romans chapter 8 that will actually be up on the screen so you can follow along. And it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of, your, of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be also glorified together. When we receive the Spirit of God, we are no longer in bondage, but we receive the Spirit of adoption, where we become the sons and the daughters of God. We become heirs to Jesus' kingdom that He is once again going to bring and return to this earth, and He has brought to us in the form of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you today that when I felt worthless, when I was bound, when I was a slave to this world, Jesus wanted me. He is our first love. And as we go through this life, we allow our flesh to seek out things to replace our first love. But what we need to do today, church, is make our first love our forever love. When I was lost and without a cause, and when I was without a purpose, and I felt like an orphan in this world, there was a father that was saying to me that I want you. Before we needed it, he proclaimed that I am that I am. Meaning that he is everything that we are looking for today. He is every void. He is every spot that we are trying to fill with this world. If you feel lost without a cause, orphan in this world, there is a God who would tell us that you are more. He can give life and he can give life more abundantly. And just to be more specific today, I looked up the definition of orphan. And it pointed me to three key verses in the Easton's Bible Dictionary. And that first verse, which you'll find upon the screen, is in Lamentations chapter 5. And in this particular verse, in verse 3, I have some verses before that for context. But in this particular verse, it means desolate and without protectors. I'll tell you that Lamentations is the prophet Jeremiah's sequel to the book of Jeremiah. It was written as a national funeral for Jerusalem. And chapter 5 is a prayer of mercy. And that is where you'll find this verse on the screen. And the verses before it for context. It says, Remember, O Lord, what is come upon us. Consider and behold our approach. Our inheritance is turned to strangers and our houses to aliens. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. Jeremiah refers to being orphans bound, fatherless, because their fathers were destroyed for falling into sin. But I'll tell you today that regardless of your father, as we read in Romans 8, we are the heirs and we are the sons and the daughters of God, whereby we cry, Father, Father, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, we are heirs. We are the heirs of God. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are an heir. Another key verse that it pointed me to was James chapter 1, verse 27. These verses are here to give us context to the meaning of the word orphan. And it's also on the screen. And it's a popular verse. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. True religion is to take care of those without fatherless. Fathers, father, fatherless meaning without protectors. It all flows together. And James mentions fatherless and it is rendered once again meaning fatherless in John chapter 14 verse 18. That is also up on the screen. But here the word fatherless meaning orphans is rendered as comfortless. John, 14, chap, John chapter 14 verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How many know Jesus said, I must go to the Father? 
And Philip began to question. And Jesus said, have I not been with you so long that when you see me, you have seen the Father? If we change out comfortless for what it is rendered as in James chapter 1 verse 27 for fatherless, I will not leave you fatherless. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. From Lamentations chapter 5 verse 3. How many know that the comforter was Jesus Christ? How many know that it is His Spirit living on the inside? It was His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He is the comforter. He is the one who will not leave us comfortless. He is the one that will not leave us orphans. Because Romans chapter 8 says that we have received the spirit of adoption. And no more the spirit of bondage. That if we stepped into the divine flow of Jesus from the beginning of time to the end of time and that vessel that brought us there it's the Holy Ghost it's the comforter that met the disciples on the day of Pentecost the 120 in the upper room it's that same comfort we have today in the Holy Ghost it's that same Father that comes on the inside of us as the Holy Ghost it is Jesus Christ the same God that died for us on Calvary it is comfort for us. He will not leave us comfortless. He will not leave us fatherless. He had to go so he could come back and give us his spirit. Hallelujah. There is only one and his name is Jesus. He is our father. The Holy Ghost is the father. And I'm telling somebody today that you are not without a cause. You are not an orphan. You are not without a father. There is only one God. And when he returned to heaven, he did not leave us. He came back comforting us as the Holy Ghost. So you may ask, this message is titled, Orphan Miracles. You haven't mentioned miracles specifically once yet. Well, I'll point us back today to our scriptures that we read in Genesis. And I'll recap kind of what we read. Hagar listened to Sarai and became pregnant with Abram's baby. Sarai, who now has despised Hagar, caused Hagar to run from them to the wilderness. It was there with promise inside her. She hid until the angel of the Lord, which is a manifestation of God, met her in the wilderness. God looked upon her and asked, Why are you here and where will you go? And today, that is a question I believe we need to ask ourselves. Why are we here and where will we go? There comes a time when self-assessment is necessary, where we decide to cut away the bad and grow the good. Just as God looked upon Hagar, inside her he saw a multitude. Jesus looks at us and says, I see a multitude inside of you. Jesus looks at us and says, I see a miracle inside of you. Jesus does not look at you and see the sin you committed before you repented. When we repent, Jesus forgets our sin. But it's our flesh that will not let go. And we feel we have to repent over and over and over again for things we have done countless years ago. Jesus looks at us and sees us now and sees us in the future. He sees us answering the call and following our miracle because inside of every single person with breath in their lungs in this room, there is a miracle. 
and today you can stay where you are you can you can you can stay where you are or you can grab a hold of the miracle inside of you and grow it to fruition you can submit as God has called us to submit wherever it calls you whatever God wants you to do or you can let that miracle become an orphan and without proper care that miracle could die if Hagar had not listened to God, her nation, her miracle could have perished without proper care. It was God who recognized what Hagar could not see because it was on the inside. Because there was no physical manifestation of the promise to come. Hagar was lost in the woods. She was lost in the wilderness. Some of us were looking for a physical manifestation of our miracle, but it's a spiritual manifestation on the inside. And you've got to self-assess. And you've got to cut to get some of that stuff out of the way. And dig until you find that miracle that you've got to grow. It was God who saw it. What Hagar could not see. For Ishmael, what was on the inside means I have heard thy affliction. The Lord has heard thy affliction. And Hagar called that place Be'er Lahiroi, meaning the well of him that liveth and seeth me. You know, God has heard our affliction, church, and he sees us today. And he says, I believe he is saying that I will bless your seed. And this pastor has been preaching our seed needs to be sowed. There is multitudes in our seed and we've just got to submit and sow. Do not let your miracle become without a protector. Do not let your miracle become fatherless. Do not let your miracle become an orphan. Hagar could have found a way to get rid of her miracle in her moment of despair. She could have walked away. But once again, later on in Genesis, we find her after returning and doing what God said for her to do, she returned and submitted to Sarai, who is to become Sarah, and Abram, who is to become Abraham. And then once again comes another trying time for her miracle, where one time she, she decided that she would continue. And once again, she is met with opposition. Once again, she is sent away from Abraham and Sarah, who have now had Isaac the promise. And if you read in Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 8, it says, And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac thy seed shall be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, I will make a nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and he took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba and the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, way off as if it were a bow shot 
For she said, let me now see the death, let me not see the death of this, of the child. And she sat over against him and lit up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called the Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink and God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer I know that was a lot of reading but it is it goes along it said it was once again a moment where Hagar could have walked away from her miracle it was a bow shot between her and her son when she set him down when they had no more water and she laid him there to die but because he was the seed of Abraham. He would be blessed to become a great nation. And the bow shot away where the miracle Ishmael would have died except for divine intervention. His death became his purpose. What should have killed him became his skill. He became an archer. The bow shot away became his provision. I'll tell somebody that your purpose is in your pain. We struggle so we can grow. We fight so we can provide. It's when we lay down our miracle because we don't feel like we enough, we're enough. It's when we lay down our miracle because we don't have enough. It's when we realize as flesh we cannot carry the miracles of God. But then it's when God steps in in a moment of death. When all is failing, Jesus becomes our strength. Falsely accused, unaccepted, weak, addicted, and depressed. Whatever you feel today, there are miracles you can receive that you did not pray for. Hagar's miracle could have died there, but she received a promise for her miracle because of the words of the Lord unto Abraham. In Genesis chapter 21 verse 12, And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac thy seed shall be called, and also the son of the bondwoman. I will make a nation because he is thy seed. There is where it all comes together. We are the heirs of God. And you'll find that in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 it says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Jesus. We are still operating on a promise from thousands of years ago. In Genesis 13 it says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after they had Lot was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee I will give it and thy seed thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered we are still operating from the altar that Abram built after this promise unto the Lord we are still in the divine bloodline and you cannot break a bloodline no matter what you do your daddy's always going to be your daddy no matter what you do your mama's always going to be your mama it's all going to work out because we are in the bloodline of Jesus who was in the bloodline of Abraham we are not born in the blood but we are washed in the blood and if you aren't you can be today you can join the bloodline it was in a critical moment of my life that my father stepped away for whatever the reason and it was unfair to me as a child and you today could step away when my father I love dearly stepped away 
Other men stepped up to fulfill the missing piece in my life. The miracle God wants to do has to come to pass in this city and in your life and in your family. But God does not need us. He wants us. We are chosen. That means He picked us. It would be so easy and what I feel is a critical point in this church to step away like we have in times past and be satisfied with the moves that we have had and think that it's all we need to just go ahead and fast what we normally fast. Just go ahead and pray how we usually pray. Go ahead and have church how we usually have church. Or we can get a hold of this miracle and we can grow this baby to be what it needs to be in a moment of death we are set up for what we need for revival these years of drought can be replaced with years of harvest if we just plant and grow we have got to grow when we don't feel accepted when we don't feel forgiven we have got to plant seed and we have got to grow do not let your, your miracle go without a protector. There is a miracle inside of every one of you. There is divine destiny that is literally quaking in your spirit. Uh, that is calling out, Father, Father, uh, there is a spirit in you uh, that is matching with the Holy Ghost that's crying, Father, Father. Uh, and when we let our flesh get in the way, uh, we build a barrier between us. Uh, and we return to that spirit of bondage. Uh, but there is a spirit of adoption uh, on every single single one of us in this place and it's crying father father what can orphan a miracle today church it's when we don't think we're, when we don't feel accepted it's when we don't feel forgiven he can take that miracle that little sweet precious miracle that now you, you it, it's like my son right now huh? we've got to feed him every time he eats because he can't feed himself We've got to hold him up on the bed because he can't sit up on his own all the time. We've got to put shoes on his feet. We've got to put clothes on his body. We've got to make sure that he's got a diaper bag full of diapers and toys to keep him satisfied. We've got to make sure the, the car seat is secured in the car. We've got to make sure that, that when we're going down the road that we're putting safety as an utmost priority for his life. And that's the same way with it is for a miracle. It's, it's when they're born waiting for that moment when they finally say their first words. And that miracle is crying out for us. That miracle is crying out for the Father. Father, Father. And what we need to do as the parents of miracles that God has given us uh, is to not withhold those back from their destiny. But we need to sow. We need to get in the ground uh, and plant these babies uh, so they can become what they need to be. I'm here to tell somebody you're on your way. Church, I believe we are on the way to the miraculous. But if we stop now, if we get satisfied now, if we're satisfied with just one service where the Lord speaks to us through tongues of interpretation, if we just get satisfied with only experiencing one gift of the Spirit, if we just get satisfied with just filling up the water trough and leaving it that way, if we just get satisfied with just two people on the praise team, if we get 
satisfied with no current home Bible studies, uh, if we just get satisfied uh, with not witnessing to our co-workers uh, and just thinking it's a job, if we just get satisfied uh, with typical Sunday school, if we just get satisfied uh, with no weekly prayer groups, uh, if we just get satisfied, uh, oh, hallelujah, there is only one place to go, and that is steeper. There is only one thing to do, and that is to do more. As I bring this to a close, Deuteronomy chapter 13, I believe I put that in there. It says in verse 1, If there arise among you a prophet or dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I believe we have a generation of dreamers. But I believe we have dreams misplaced but I'll tell you at least this generation is dreaming at least there's people dreaming right now and, and through all this dreaming it's to make a better place it's to do something better there are people right now that are just trying to grow up to be something better than their parents there's people trying right now to change their situation and I believe that there is a miracle for everyone on this earth Our church's attendance, but the underlying common denominator of this is brokenness. Church, we are built upon brokenness. Jesus was broken in order to attract people. Jesus had to show his brokenness. The image of God as he, he gave up the note to the world was a broken Savior on a cross. But we reveal our brokenness to attract brokenness. Because in our brokenness, there is a miracle that only God can see. It was just like Hagar. She couldn't see what was on the inside of her. But there was a struggle in her. And then it was finally when she saw that God saw her. And it hurt her flesh. We need to show this world that we are alike. That we are all so broken. And then reveal to them the power in our brokenness. And that power is Jesus Christ. Because in our infirmities, in our weakness, in our struggles, Jesus, He is made strong us the strength. You are chosen today. Don't step out on your miracle. I know I just preached lingering mantle, but I'll ask you what's going to be left in your mantle when you go. If you go, who's going to get your miracle? If you step out on the church today and decide living for God is not worth it, where is your miracle going to go? There's going to be a miracle wandering around crying, Father, Father, looking for somebody to connect it uh, to the divine, uh, the divineness of Jesus If you go, there's going to be a mantle lying on the ground, uh, full of power, waiting for somebody to pick it up. If you go, who's going to get your miracle? 
Don't get swept away by dreamers in this world. They've got good dreams to help and to push forward. But ultimately, it's not of God. Don't get swept away in the prophets of this world. Let God use your brokenness to propel you. Every single person has been through a situation in which you have experienced brokenness. It may have been a relationship with a parent. It may have been a relationship with a sibling. It may have been maybe a moment of catastrophe. It may have been a moment of loss. But there is a brokenness that connects us all. On the inside, our spirit is broken. On the inside, we have a spirit of bondage. But it is when we are reborn in the Holy Ghost that that becomes a spirit of adoption. And Jesus looks down on us and he says, that is my heir. That's why I'm going to put my anointing. Yeah, they struggled with nicotine. Yeah, their parents were alcoholics. Yeah, they grew up in a foster care system. Yeah, they grew up and their mama and daddy beat them. Yeah, they grew up and they were addicted to this and that. Yeah, they haven't got everything in line, but they're my heir. And I put my spirit of adoption on them because Jesus believes in us. We are all connected through that brokenness that Jesus showed on the cross. And it's when he showed that brokenness that those standing around him, around that bloody cross, they said, surely, this was the Son of God. It's in that moment when you reveal your brokenness, when you take off that image you put on at work, when you take that off that image you put on at church, and realize that person you're trying to impress beside you is just as broken as you are. They're just as hurt as you are. That they've all got a miracle on the inside of them. You all have a miracle on the inside of you. Don't let that miracle go without a protector. Don't let that miracle become an orphan. Don't let that miracle be without a father. Miracles floating all around this room. There are mantles floating all around this world. And they're waiting for someone to claim them and connect them to Jesus Christ. They're waiting for someone to see the power in prayer. I urge you today, come to this altar. Pray and ask God to help you to reveal your brokenness. To start the first circle of the To get back the layers that you have placed in your life. Because if you're like me, you've covered up some things. If you're like me, you've covered up some hurtful relationships in your life. If you're like me, you've had some parent trouble and you've, you've dealt with some unforgiveness. If you're like me, you've dealt with some bitterness. If you're like me, you felt unworthy at some point. If you're like me, you felt sinful. If you're like me, you're flesh and you're broken. But that brokenness connects us to Jesus Christ, who when he left, left the image of brokenness on that cross for us. But it was not the only time he would come back and visit us. It's that comforter. It's that John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I So pray. Believe that God will come to you because he is here for you and he sees what you cannot see. You may see broken. You may see a, a, a deformity in your image. You may see a blemish. But Jesus sees you perfect just as he died for you. He sees you 
fulfilling that calling just as he died for you. you are. 